Welcome to In Between, where you'll hear stories, conversations, and hard-earned wisdom to help you navigate the space that lies in between where you are and where you're going. I'm Heather Ashley Baker. Before we get into today's episode, I want to read a listener's review. If you're enjoying In Between, head over to Apple Podcasts and take a minute to write a review. I so appreciate hearing what resonates with you and reviews help new listeners engage with this podcast. So here's a review from listener MC. The In Between podcast is so brilliant to listen to. I love it. The guests have a unique yet genuine personal story to tell. Heather has this incredible ability to connect with her guests. They willingly share their heart and mind. As a listener, you can sense this, which is really cool. The podcast is informative, so you'll learn a lot. The guests freely convey their life experiences with authenticity. Along with her uniqueness, Heather brings a lot of positive energy to the podcast, which I believe will create joy for her listeners for years to come. Wow. Thanks so much for that awesome review, MC. I really appreciate it. Have you ever met someone who you've just instantly connected with? In the first conversation, you know you've met a kindred spirit, someone who's going to be in your life for a long time? Well, that's my guest this week, Nicola Newman. I love how Nicola and I met. I came across her website while doing research to find other creatives I could talk to as part of my project for the creative leadership program, Ignite that I was doing at the start of this year. And I immediately connected with her words. So I cold emailed her and asked if she'd be willing to talk to me. She replied right away and her response was so kind and warm. Well, Nicola herself is so kind and warm and you'll feel that in my conversation with her. She's a heart-led, gentle, compassionate, creative soul, an award-winning artist, creative mentor, business coach, writer, retreat host, and also the founder of Flourish, the Art of Creative Living, which is a year-long creativity school. Nicola supports creative hearts to build a loving relationship with themselves through mindfulness and creative expression. I love this conversation. Nicola and I discuss loving yourself, following your heart and your curiosity, and giving yourself permission to change course. It's the perfect episode as we head into the holidays and the end of 2020. So grab a mug of your favorite holiday drink and get cozy. Here's my conversation with Nicola Newman. Hello, Nicola. Hi, Heather. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Yay, I'm so excited to have you here. It's so lovely to see your face and hear your voice. And likewise, I was just saying, you look beautiful. You're all done up for Melbourne Cup Day down there in Melbourne. And it actually feels like summer. So it's a reason to celebrate. Absolutely. And being able to get out of lockdown. It's enormous. Well done. Thank you. It's an incredible achievement. And yes, thanks thanks for the, the well wishes from Queensland. So how are you doing up there? Is it is it summer already? Well and truly, yeah. So I think we've been experiencing about 32 degrees on average every day for the last couple of weeks. 
So it's um, definitely summer, but it's it's lovely. And we don't have aircon in our new house, but we're living in an old Queenslander that is designed to have cross flow breezes, and it's got it's high set, so it's well ventilated and got the ceiling fans. And I'm actually really enjoying not having aircon. Oh, I totally agree. I love that. So Nicola, I'm so excited to talk to you. We've connected. Well, I got to know you at the start of this year and I reached out to you just a cold email out of the blue and you responded and your response was so warm and so genuine. And ever since then, I feel like we've just had this great, beautiful connection and we've never actually met in person, although hopefully we will be soon. You're such a heart-led creative and just beautiful soul. And I'm so excited to share that with everyone today. Thank you, Heather. So let's dive in. I would love to hear more about your creative journey and, you know, specifically what's been a really in defining in-between season for you on your creative journey. Mm. I love this topic, Heather, so much. And I was thinking yesterday about all the in-between seasons of my life and in-between seasons of my creative path and how, you know, we could talk about so many areas today, whether it was, you know, searching for a, a man that was going to be supportive and it turned out to be my husband, you know, it took such a long time, it's felt like finding a, a community where I feel settled, finding a business that model that was supportive to my life. But what I thought I would focus on being centered around the creative path was a time in my life when I was relatively young. I was in my teenage years and I grew up in a family where my parents were very outwardly successful in uh, a multi-level marketing business. They had gone become executive diamonds and they were on really, really high income and we had a beautiful house that was oh, had five bedrooms and seven bathrooms and it had a gymnasium for men and a, and a changing room for men and women, separate changing rooms and a gymnasium and a library and all the things, you know, that kind of a lot of people would see as being pinnacle of success and making it and it was we were living on a canal on the sunshine coast we had a 40 foot catamaran and seven series bmw and all of that sort of thing and my parents to my knowledge had this perfect relationship they often were offering marriage counseling for other people because they thought that they had this great relationship and then it turned out that my dad was having an affair and so everything crumbled very quickly and all of the life that I had known changed uh, on a dime really and the facade of success came crumbling down in a way that was completely shocking and completely disorientating for a young 15, I think I was 15, might have been 14, I think 15 at the time when I found out and we were heavily involved in the church at the time I was going to a Christian school so it was really really disruptive to every foundation of my life and I found myself spiraling into a time of depression really looking back on it it was definitely depression and in amongst that depression I stopped creating in the in the way that I had been creating prior to that and creativity had always been a huge part of my life I had always 
been making things. You know, we had a lovely nanny who would come and look after us while my parents were away and she was always making things with me. So we would be doing like coloured sand bottles or we'd be making cards or we'd be doing quilling or 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 um, all kinds of things, marbling paper, doing tie-dyeing, everything you could think of, making puppets. And then as I got older, I started doing painting at school and, and whatnot. But with the depression, I just couldn't get out of bed. I, I was so distraught and distressed and ashamed as well that my family um, was falling apart and I didn't, have, I didn't have a support network around me at the time that was connected with the reality of life, I suppose, in, <laughs> to, be, to be quite blunt. I had lived in a fairly sheltered, very positive, focused, like always look on the positive, always be have a great mindset and all of that stuff. And when the shit hit the fan, none of the things that I'd grown up with really held true or seemed to feel like they had substance. And so I didn't find myself really being able to create in that same way that I had before. And and when I would try and create, I would try and paint and it felt like what I was producing was the kind of level of a grade two or grade five maybe, which in itself was a huge loss and a huge sense of grief and loss of identity for me personally on top of everything else. But that particular piece of losing touch with my ability to create and express myself was like losing a limb. Well, I shouldn't say that because I've never lost a limb, but it was it was you know a huge part of my my experience in life up until that point. So that period went on for a number of years, and and I look back on that in between stage of questioning, you know, how can I find joy in my life again? How can I find something that has substance and meaning for me? What can I trust? What can I rely on? What's going to light me up? And I ended up working in retail and I moved around a little bit and I left school very early. Did I mention that? I left school when I was 15 and I had planned to go back, but I was just too depressed to to get back into schooling. But I realized that the thing that brought me the most joy was creativity and it was being expressive. And I guess I was really lucky as well that I had had the experience of growing up with a lot of money around and seeing that that was no guarantee of a fulfilling life that I really wanted to live. And so I think for a lot of people perhaps at that age, around 18, and they're choosing what to study, they'll often get swayed by parents saying, you know, you need to go and do this, you need to go and do that because it's going to be more stable and you need to set yourself up with a career. And really by that stage, I wasn't having a lot to do with my parents. I had a little bit, but they, they didn't have, you know, things had deteriorated. And so it was really up to me to decide what I was going to study and what, if I wanted to study. And I d- realized that painting and being creative was more, ex- more valuable to me than having a secure career. And I had no idea that I could make money from being creative. I had no idea that there were even artists anymore that were alive and and sustaining themselves. I I really lived a very sheltered life in terms of the arts. And it was my parents were both veterinary surgeons before they got into multi-level marketing. And so come from that science background and everything was sort of business and science and logic. And but I thought I'll I'll at least if I go and study something that I love, then there's a possibility a possibility that I might find a way 
to create a sustainable life using the things that I love to do. So I did that. I went and, and got myself a mentor in Brisbane and he was this old fellow from Liverpool, I think, and he helped me put together a portfolio and then I submitted it to the art schools and I started what became, I think, five years of study both at TAFE, which is like a art, a very technical, a very practical sort of art college basis here in Australia, and then went on to university and did my Bachelor of Fine Arts. So, what an incredible story and journey you've been on. And I think it's relatable for a lot of people to have that season of creativity as a child when we're, you know, young and we haven't really gotten out into the world yet and we're exploring and getting to be so creatively inspired all the time and then real life happens or you do end up getting pushed down a path where you feel like you do have to do something more practical or something that culture considers to be the right way the right way to make money and take care of yourself and get ahead in the world and we forget and it sounds like you had a very eye-opening moment there as well. And it beca- and because you came, you grew up with means that the creativity side and what lights you up is so was so much more important to you. And and you and you knew that and you followed your heart. Yeah, I thank you. And there's been times I think where it's been definitely challenging and there's parts of me that look to other paths and I think, oh gee, it would be easier if I had, you know, a more stable income base and there's been so many different seasons of my creative life. But it's it's always still come back to that essence that I would rather be doing filling my days doing things that I enjoy than trying to slog away doing something that I don't enjoy. Did you encounter any periods of of doubting what you were doing after you made that decision and and yeah how do you keep going and keep sustaining hey I made this decision I'm going to keep moving forward I know there's doubt here I know there's fear there's uncertainty but I'm going to keep going in this path that I've chosen how do you not get swayed sometimes it's good to get swayed <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what I mean is not swayed by other people but I think it's good to allow yourself permission to change course if that's what yes. is um, important to you and and I had somebody drop in a piece of inspiration to spend time looking at myself in the mirror in the eyes, in the mirror, and just saying, hey, Nick, I love you. And at the time, I used to burst into tears when I would do it. And I didn't really have anything particularly to be ashamed of, of within myself, but I just couldn't connect with myself with that open kind of love that that were describing. And I persevered with it and I kept like just trying to even hold my gaze. I remember looking down, I'd look down at the soap holder or I'd look down at the face cloth and I just couldn't kind of connect, hey, there's a person in here that I really need to build a relationship with and if we're going to get through this, it needs to be a loving relationship and a good one because there's a lot coming in life. I'm only, you know, I was only 16, 17. I had no skills. I'd left home. It was tricky it was really tricky I didn't have a lot of support and gradually through both that exercise of just being aware I think of building a loving relationship with myself and also using journaling I had this wonderful doctor I'd moved to Hamilton Island and I was having panic attacks that would go on for 
sometimes 90 minutes at a time just from all the changes in my life and all the stress and and upheaval and um I went to this doctor and expecting him to prescribe me with a drug to help with these anxiety attacks and he asked what was going on he said hmm okay I think what you need is to buy yourself a journal get yourself a nice pen and let yourself just write whatever you need to write in that journal and you can swear and here I was a good little Christian girl you know you can swear you can do whatever you like but you need to write this stuff down and get it out of yourself and let yourself process and what a wise old doctor I mean how amazing and kudos to him I have the most (laughs) respect for that advice because it really was pivotal I think that that process of being given permission to really be honest with myself and be really honest about my emotions and honest about my feelings was the thing that stopped the anxiety attacks eventually. Um, That also laid the foundation of living a very heart-led life and living a life that has been unconventional in many ways and a very fulfilling life. I don't feel like I, if I, I often say to my husband, you know, if I died, I would be, I wouldn't have any regrets. I feel very grateful that I don't have any regrets now. And I think that comes from carving out time to build a connection with yourself and to be in communication with yourself, whether it's through journaling or it's through a process that I love to teach called the inquisitive pause which um, we can go into a little bit later on but it's really I think about being honest with yourself and not being afraid of your emotions and not being afraid of telling the truth you know this sucks this sucks and maybe you need to do something different and that's okay but I think we get told so often that you know you have to always slog it out or you have to stick it through or you have to you know don't take a risk or make make choices that are going to be about stability and I see it so often extinguish our love and our passion and our you know excitement in life and our curiosity and all those things so yeah it's really hard sometimes to be brave and to do something new but I think it's pretty hard if you don't as well it is really hard if you don't and I I think earlier as well, when you were saying how giving up your creativity was like losing a limb or like just comparing it to sort of losing a part of yourself, an extension of yourself and how not pursuing it because it's scary or feels risky. And we are as humans, we are risk averse and fear averse, I think. But yeah, if you don't take that chance, you are missing out on this whole other level of fulfillment enjoy. And I think your story is so powerful. What you talked about, this process that you went through of self-love and looking yourself, like learning how to love yourself, because I think that is is at the very core of, of our create creativity and creative inspiration and looking yourself in the eye every morning and telling it like, that is so hard to do, so hard, but so important. And writing and journaling and how how all of those little steps really connected your creative journey and really laid this foundation for you to be the 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 create the heart-led creative that you are today. And I think where sometimes people struggle is we think that it's going to be overnight. It, it's a process. And and how in your journey, how long do you think it took you before you got to the point? where you were really feeling like, yep, I love myself, I trust myself, I'm connected with my heart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably took a year if I look back on it in a lot of ways. I remember being 17, 16, maybe two years actually, 16, 17, and really struggling a lot. And then once I 
had made the decision to go back to art school and I'd made the decision to go back. I went backpacking for a month in Europe as well. I saved, I worked in a retail store and I saved up and I went <laughs> went backpacking and it was great to do that with some friends. But once I got back from that, I went to art school and I think it was also kind of based in a knowledge that I would give myself permission to change course if I needed to. So, you know, it's. I think we can get hooked up on the idea of goals and achieving goals and telling people we're going to do this thing and then feel like we've failed if we change our mind. But often I haven't really subscribed to that. <laughs> I sort of feel like if I'm not happy. Me either. Yeah, yeah, no, you haven't either. Um, if, if you're not happy doing something, then then it's it's worthwhile being curious about seeing what other things might light you up and and exploring that. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. We get stuck to this. Well, I made the plan. I set the goal. So that means I have to do this one thing. And while there is the, there's a lot to be said for creating a goal that you're working to achieve, but I agree. We get so stuck on that one thing that we do forget that we can pivot along the way and we can give ourselves permission. And I think you use the word curiosity and following your curiosity. What does that look like for you to follow your curiosity? Mm, so many things. <laughs> so in in the studio, curiosity looks like for me because I'm a painter it looks like being curious about how colors go together you know what if I put this color with this color what if I play with this new medium what if I play with this other implement and try making marks in this certain way and what happens if I do this and what happens if I turn it upside down and try again or I scrape over the top of it or I wipe it off you know all those sorts of things lead to making paintings and then curiosity in life and living a creative life, I think, looks like, well, for us, we, we've, here's another in-betweens conundrum. My, we, we, um, my husband got a contract down in New South Wales working. He, he's a quarry manager. So he was working in a quarry and we found that we really disliked where we'd moved to. We really were unhappy in the town where he'd been posted and we didn't fit we didn't really gel with the ideology of the people there we didn't gel with the, there was quite a lot of racism there and so we put out we kept putting our heads together how what are we going to do how can we change this and one day I was watching SBS I think and a documentary came on there about where the wild men are and it was this, this young couple that had bought a sailboat and they were sailing through I think it was French Polynesia and I looked at them and and, and I was really not happy <laughs> and the, the the presenter asked the lady so on a scale from one to ten how happy would you say that you are and she looks around at all the palm trees and the mangoes that they've just collected from the locals and and she says hmm, let's say about a ten and I'm looking around in this little donger of a motel room where we were staying where because we're, because my husband was posted sort of in a different town anyway and and it's 38 degrees outside and and uh, and I just thought I'm about a 4 you know this is crap <laughs> and so he came home and I said how would you feel about selling everything and buying a boat and he goes let's do it and so 3 months later we had sold our house that we had on the sunshine coast we had sold all our furniture which you're doing right now <laughs> and putting it all on gumtree and 
and we'd bought a 35 foot sailboat and and we were moving on board in pit water and we were, we had never sailed a boat together before we'd both I'd sailed before but not for about 10 years and Andrew had um, lived on a barra boat, barra fishing up in North Queensland. But it was a big adventure and it took a lot of courage but I think part of it was just being fed up with the situation we were in as well that gave us that courage and willingness. But on top of that, I think the curiosity of going, just taking it with a light touch, saying, okay, let's try this and if it doesn't work out, we'll do something different. And I think that we that kind of curiosity um, and permission to change and yeah I think it, there's a level of curiosity of let's try this and see what happens and and there's always a little my friend Beth Cregan says there's always got to be an element of this could be good you know in the curiosity so hmm, this could be good and we both certainly felt that we're like hmm, this could be good and it was and we've loved it so <laughs> oh I love that story so much I love it I love that you saw this on tv it sparked this idea and that you were open enough to following your curiosity in that moment because you could have easily looked at that and said, well, that's great for you, but that's not my life. I can't have that. But you didn't do that. You made a choice. You actually left it open and you said, what would it look like if we did this? Could I be happy if that were my life? And sometimes you don't know unless you try, like you said, you you made the decision and you go, well, let's see what happens. And if it doesn't work out and we don't like it, we're no worse off than we were before. But I know that that can be a real dilemma for some people. Like, mm. cool, that life looks really great, but that's not for me or I couldn't have that. There, there are some excuses or or people aren't necessarily always willing to follow the curiosity because it is really uncertain and does take a lot of courage mm. and it does lead to often an uncomfortable in-between season. And so mm. how do you balance that? How do you navigate through that moment, that decision moment where you could go one of two ways? Mm. I was reflecting as you were talking then that the process of once we decided to buy a boat and sell everything by a boat, um, there were dips and valleys or there were twists and turns in that process as well. And at first I had it in my head that I had to live on a catamaran, which is a, a boat that has two hulls because that's what I had had um, growing up and we'd sailed on and, and so I had some experience with that and I knew that it was more comfortable and it was a very livable way of living, of being on a boat. But the the reality was that the price of a catamaran is easily twi- twice, sometimes three or four times the price of a monohull. So that's a boat that has one single hull, like a traditional sailing yacht that you, most people would be familiar with. And so I think, and as we went up, so we went, we drove all the way up to Cairns and we went and looked at this old catamaran that was one that we could afford and it had holes in the deck and we were like, oh, maybe we could, we were so naive. Oh, we just wanted to get out of where we were. Maybe we could do it up and oh, but then we decided on the way driving home, let's just have a look at some monoholes and see what that would be like. And I, I think that willingness to sometimes have a, to again use a term that my friend Beth Cregan uses and she's picked up from somewhere and I've forgotten who to attribute it to, but um, a partial solution. So it's like a compromise, but it's a really positive compromise, <laughs> a partial solution. I think we can get really hung up on having things look, turning out a particular way that we envision in our head and get very rigid. It has to be this thing, you know, it has to, and if it's not that way, then I'm not going to do it. But, and I, I suppose linking into the way to navigate through those 
partial solutions so that it's not just a compromise that you're going to be unhappy with is to be very clear on your values and very clear on how you want to feel in your life and I think values has played a huge being aware of my values and and sharing very similar values with my husband has been a huge part of yeah the last seven years since we've met and been been married and decision making and navigating those those uncertain times because what works for you and what works is going to be what is in alignment with your values and it doesn't mean that it's not the right path or a good path for other people but it might not work for you so so some people if they their value is stability then probably the path that Andrew and I have taken you know it might be more stress than is worth it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fun you know whereas for us you know we had values of of adventure and intimacy and creativity and being together and simplicity as well so we share a lot of those sorts of foundational things that meant that that those lifestyle choices could fit into it but again if I was somebody who a a woman that needed a lot of comfort and whatnot perhaps I wouldn't have been happy on a monohull as well I might have had to stick with it and make some more money and then go and save up to buy a catamaran. I don't know, but I think values is a really important piece to the puzzle of navigating the in-between. Yeah, I totally agree. And for me personally, that's been the thing that has gotten me through the seasons of this year is knowing what I want and why I'm doing what I'm doing, like why I'm making these decisions. And I can always come back to that place when when I do start, when the doubts and the fears start to swirl around I, I quiet myself down and I remember, okay, yep, that's why you're doing this. And you check in with yourself, is this still true for me? And it's, it is. And as you've been saying, it's okay if maybe it isn't. It's okay if things do change. So giving yourself that grace to go, I'm feeling this doubt, you know, or I'm, I'm questioning it. Is this still true? Is this still what I want? Yes, it is. Great. Then I'm going to keep going and I'm going to push through it. Or if it's not, then that's okay too. And and yeah, and even if it is stability or it's comfort, whatever it is, and none of that is wrong. I think it's, it's, and as you're saying, it's about finding what is really important to you and what does light you up and finding a way to, when the moment of curiosity comes to being open and enough to receive that and not miss it. And I think staying in connection with yourself is important as you're describing like that, checking in, you know, is this something that I still really want? And when coronavirus came about and lockdown came about living on a 35 foot sailboat in a marina all of a sudden didn't feel as free or as adventurous or as fun um, as it did when we could sail anywhere we liked and so we've ended up buying a house and stability now is more of a value of mine and it's something that I have been craving and I'm really enjoying so I think being open to those shifting seasons in our life is really lovely yeah yes yes and another piece of this, this exploring the curiosity and and being mindful of, of, of what's going on in yourself is trust, trusting yourself. How have you learned how to trust yourself through all these seasons? Hmm. Oh, what a great question. So I think it really does come down to being in close relationship with myself and knowing that I have got my own back and I want the best for myself. And it also, so so carving out time to listen to my inner voice, whether that can 
be it might be through journaling or it could be through the inquisitive pause or it could be through conversations with my husband or just walking and pondering the conundrums because we all have creative conundrums in life that are like Cohen's you know they're, they're like these puzzles that kind of need to be solved they're the in-between spaces and 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 trying to find a solution that's a working solution that feels good and so telling the truth to myself is really important and being honest because I think when we are not honest with ourselves then we can't really trust ourselves and being honest with ourselves can be really scary there's times when I know there's time, been times when I didn't want to pick up a journal because I didn't really want to look at something. You know, you don't really want to go there in case you find stuff that, oh, this could mean that I'm going to have to change some stuff and that's going to be hard and I don't really want to go there. And recognising that that can take time to get to a point where you're ready to look at something and, and say, okay, this is how I'm feeling about this and it's probably time for me to let this go or to investigate what is holding me back from stepping out into this other way of being and I think that those questions apply whether it's to do with relationships or it's to do with money or it's to do with creative output being willing to just have a have a conversation with yourself a gentle conversation with yourself with hey what's going on you know what are you feeling what do you need what's going to make you feel safe what's going to help you feel supported in this process and coming at things from an angle of yeah really just wanting the best for yourself like a like a friend and and saying what can we do with the resources that we have to make the most of where we are and feel the way that you we, we want to feel well just recognizing that we can change course um, we can adjust and not being like a not being a taskmaster of ourselves as well I I think sometimes we can expect that life is going to be very linear and if we get an idea I'm going to want to do this thing and so I'm going to I have to take this step that step that step that step and then I'm going to get there but we forget that there's this whole other area of our life that needs attention where it might be family or it could be health or it could be money or something comes up and it, it influences the decisions or the capacity quite often the capacity that we have to bring to life this goal or this vision for ourselves that we've we've created and so I think part of trusting yourself is trusting that you can take the time to scan around and look at all the different life gardens that we have you know in our in our life and see what needs cultivating and how one area might be stopping us from being able to or it could just be affecting our ability to implement the steps, the very linear steps that we wanted to tick off and the time frame that we have maybe created. And the more that we can be willing to adapt and find creative solutions through that path, the more that I think we can build trust with ourselves because we can, it, it shows that we do deliver to ourselves of what we've said that we're going to deliver. And it's also more fun because <laughs> we're not beating ourselves up and, and being a harsh taskmaster all the time, which I can definitely be with myself and I have to work on it. That's why I love to teach this because I need it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm with you. It's so easy to tell other people to have grace for themselves and be kind to themselves and to not be such a harsh taskmaster. But then I realized that I need to take my own advice and put that into practice in my own life, especially if I want to encourage other people to do the same. Because I really believe that as as you're saying, I believe people should be kind and and 
give themselves permission to to stop and just slow down and tune in to tune into yourself. And I think trusting yourself and tuning into your your inner voice is is a practice that it takes some time and some intentionality to to cultivate. And it is a practice. I love that word. Like it's an ongoing practice. Yeah, you have to keep doing it. I wanted to ask you about, you've mentioned this a few times, the inquisitive pause and and what that looks like. Yeah, great. So I love this process so very much. And it's something that I teach in my, I have a free, um, I have a free seven day art of creative living course on my website. And I also teach it more in depth in my flourish the art of creative living program which is a year-long creativity school which I absolutely love and it's a way of tuning in to yourself at the drop of a hat Uh, so you don't need there's not even a journal required you can use a journal but you can do it anywhere and it might be that you're about to hit publish on a blog post or you could be sitting there with your cup of tea scrolling through Instagram just trying to ignore the blank canvas that's leaning against the wall that you bought months ago and you thought that you were going to have fun playing on Um, or it could be that you're about to present an idea at work to a boss and it's something that you've had to create and put your own heart and soul into. It's a process that you can use anytime challenging emotions come up during the creative process which is often (laughs) anyone that's involved in the creative process knows that yeah it's often fraught with feelings that can feel uncomfortable whether it's shame it could be fear it could be uncertainty it could be discomfort of of not knowing what your own ability is or discomfort at seeing the results of your efforts come out in a way that's not matching the picture or the idea in your own mind and the inquisitive pause is a way of basically incorporating mindfulness into your creative practice that's based and seeped in self-compassion and self-love so it's very simple but it takes a lot of awareness to implement it during those times that are challenging or triggering or feeling uncomfortable. But the more that we do it, the more that we build a relationship with ourselves where we can trust ourselves. So the first, there's a few steps to it and they can happen within the space of a few seconds. It can happen over the space of a few minutes. But I like to start by just doing a little body scan and noticing what sensations are present in your body right now. So if I do this right now I'll describe what I'm feeling I can feel there's a little bit of movement in my belly as I'm talking with you because there's a little probably a little bit of adrenaline and excitement at being here with you Heather (laughs) I love this so much (laughs) then there's also quite a lot of space in my chest area so I can feel there's a lot of just air it feels like in my chest And then I can feel my feet resting on the solid wood hard floors under my feet. And next, oh, I can also feel, you scan the internal sensations physically, what you can feel inside your body, and then scan the external sensations that you might feel as well. So I can feel the, the breeze from the window coming on my skin and I can feel the soft bubbly chair cover that I bought for my free dining chair that I got off 
Facebook marketplace against my bottom. (laughs) (laughs) And then moving into noticing what emotions might be present. So I might be feeling a little bit of anxiety or it could be that you're feeling a little bit of excitement. Sometimes excitement and anxiety are very similar. See if you can put some words or a name to the to the emotion. And then scanning your thoughts and particularly paying attention to any stories that might be playing across the screen of your mind. So there might be something that you're being reminded of. This experience might be reminding you of a time in the past and quite often people come to back to their creative practice with triggering experiences that may have brought about creative shame into their life. So they might have had a teacher. I've had clients say that they had a teacher in grade one say that the, their drawing was terrible and I mean who could say that to a a, a six-year-old or, or we have a story of singing something for our parent and and our parent might be triggered because they didn't follow their heart to to cultivate their singing voice and so they take it out and say you, sh- you should never sing you know you've got a terrible voice or and it could be more subtle than that too it can be just simple little triggers that we might be feeling fear about what other people might think of the thing that we're creating, fear of what we might think of the thing that we're wanting to create and being disappointed of, of what we can create. So so paying particular attention to what we might be being reminded of in that moment. So we'll focus on the physical sensations, the emotional, um, and then, and then the, our thoughts. And doing those three steps can help bring so much information and just self-awareness to what we're going through. And with that, we can bring it more compassion for ourselves of say, okay, I understand why you're feeling this and it's natural to be feeling this way. And the next final step, which is really important, is seeing, asking yourself, is is there something that I can do right now or that I need that is going to help me feel more settled or more comfort or more safety, something that's going to help me feel better? And it might be getting a glass of water. It might be taking a little walk. It could be writing a few things down. But that little piece of asking what can I do that would help me feel better here. Even it can just be settling in and taking a deeper breath. If we're having a really challenging conversation with someone, you know, we've shown them our creative project and they are not responding in the way that we want, for example, then just recognising that where we're at physically and emotionally and, and mentally and then saying, okay, what can I do to just feel a bit better? In that split second, it can make all the difference in the outcome of that conversation or in the outcome of how we express ourselves so that we might not be feeling the need to attack or to go on the defensive, but but it can be that we actually are more in, I don't like the word control, but more in control of our um, of our experience and, uh, and the way that we're showing up. And it can be so much nicer in our own body because we're actually taking steps to be kind to ourselves. Yes. Wow, that's so beautiful. I love the the detail that you described that whole process with, and and I, I I'm feeling calmer just you know you taking me through that right now, and I love that you're really being mindful to everything that's happening in your body from your the physical because I think we hold tension in our body and stress and fear and anxiety and 
we, we don't stop and really recognize that and actually just take those few, taking a few breaths is a huge, makes a huge difference. Just deep breaths and being aware of the thoughts. And I love that you said this story playing on the screen of your mind, so powerful. And just doing one simple action, it doesn't have to be accomplishing a big goal or a big task. It, it can be as simple as yeah, taking another breath or getting water, going for a walk. Or one thing I've discovered during lockdown is to have a dance party. I have this specific song that I put on the Spotify playlist that I made for myself with happy music. And whenever I kind of felt myself going into a spiral or a pattern, a thought pattern, or that story was was really negative, I'd, I'd change course and just move myself into a different space. And, and a lot of times that involved a little dance party with myself. So good. And it worked. Yeah, it does. It does. Movement is so good and dancing in particular is so, so powerful. I love that. I can picture you doing it right now. Oh, and, and when I come up and visit, well. Yeah, mutual dance parties. No more solo shows. <laughs> <laughs> no more solo. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so, Nicola, I to ask you, what is bringing you joy right now? Oh, you know what's bringing me joy is my curtains. I love them so much. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's the small details. I love it. Yeah, I wake up every morning and I love our bedroom so much. It's the only room that we've sort of finished renovating in the house. But I love waking up to the white walls, the brass curtain rods and these linen look curtains. They bring me so much pleasure. and. I think our environment does, if we're sensitive, you know, if we're sensitive creatives, then our environment can play a really big part in, in how much joy we experience in life. But I think also the work that we're doing, and I really love, love being a mentor and holding space for people to slow down and tune in and listen to themselves and develop that trust in themselves. I think there's so much in the world at the moment where, we're getting told what to do, what the path is, and there's so much narcissism around and so much oh, just consumerism that is taking us away from the actually intrinsic values that we all share and that we need in life to feel whole and to feel fulfilled. And so I love holding space to help facilitate time and practices where people can listen to themselves and develop that loving relationship with themselves. It's my absolute favorite thing and, and biggest honor. Mm, and you do it so, so beautifully Thank too, you. as I feel so inspired every time we, we talk and connect. And likewise. And, likewise. Aw, thank mm. you. I love the detail that you explain your bedroom, your bedroom, and the curtains, and the breath that's um, and the white walls, and the joy that you feel. I'm feeling that joy right along with you. Like just, and and I totally agree. I'm I'm a big space and environment person, and how that can affect your creativity and your overall well being. So I love that it's those little details that are bringing you joy right now. So thanks for sharing that. So what are you working on right now, and where can people connect with you? Mm. Well, I'm working on the upcoming launch for Flourish, the Art of Creative Living. And we kick off with a new year in January 2021, which I'm super excited about because I think that we need, <laughs> really need ways to settle our nervous system and be finding some joy in life at the moment. So I'm excited about doing that. And 
I'm also working on renovating our house, growing a new veggie patch, and very soon, hopefully, going out for a sail to explore some of the islands around Magnetic Island where we've got our boat moored at the moment. There's some islands, there's Palm Island, and there's um, the whole Palm Island group off Orpheus Island, but we want to go and check out. So that's exciting. And as far as where people can find me, you can always find me at nicolanewman.com. And on the homepage there, I have my free seven-day, well, it's a mentoring course, I suppose, but it also has a video workshop in there that takes you through a painting painting workshop of an abstract painting and takes you through the inquisitive pause with, a, with an audio, guided audio and more. So come and check that out. And I would love to have you join my community and be part of this Oh, a way of being in the world because the more that people like you, Heather, I think that we're following their hearts and, and being brave in the face of fear and being willing to do things that light them up, I think the better the world is. Mm, beautiful words. And I totally agree. I think we need, it's my mission as well. And I know yours is to to inspire more people to follow their hearts and, and their creative dreams and get out in the world. And I can't wait to come up and go sailing with you. So wait for me. I'm coming on the boat. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> can't wait. My husband's excited too. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to get further from my neighborhood I that bet. I've been stuck in. It's absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible how you've made it through this year and what a great job everyone in Melbourne's done. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Now it's time to celebrate and and see the world again, so I can't wait. Yes. Come up to far north Queensland. There's beautiful blue water. It's waiting for you. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, thank you so much for being here today, Nicola. It's always such such a joy to talk to you and I'm so happy to share your words now with with all the listeners. Thank you, Heather. And I can't wait. I've got your beautiful episode too. That was one more thing I'm working on is the next season of the podcast and featuring you. So that's going to be coming out as well. I can't wait. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your show. I'm really, really honored. Seriously, I feel so warm and so encouraged every time I talk to her. And since we recorded this episode a few weeks back now, here's a quick update for you. The Melbourne lockdown ended, the Australian interstate borders finally opened, and I am now relocated back to sunny Queensland. And I'm heading up to far north Queensland to see Nick in person in February, and I can't wait to see her, and I can't wait to see all that beautiful blue water. To learn more about Nicola, visit the show notes at heatherashleybaker.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do two things. Head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends and family. Two small actions that have a huge impact so that others can find and hear this podcast. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Until next week, friends.